order for this not to just be a decorated box with a bow on it, a gift is not a gift unless it's given and received. So if I was giving this gift to Harry, I would say, here, Harry, and he would go, nah, never mind. <laughs> then it's not a gift. It's just a box with fancy paper and a bow. A gift has to be given and received. Now, sometimes people think the value of the gift is based on what's inside. Could be a rock, could be a diamond ring, like Mary Kay would part with one of those. <laughs> but we, we sometimes think, ooh, it's, it's like kind of like the price is right. You know, do you want what's in the box or do you want what's behind the curtain? It's, we're trying to figure out what's the biggest value, right? But the true value of the gift is not what's inside. The value of the gift comes from the heart of the giver and the heart of the receiver. If it's no big deal for me to give a gift, it's probably not going to be a big deal for you to receive the gift. But if it's a big deal for you to receive the gift and you realize that it's a big deal for me to give it, then there's value in the gift. Is that too complicated? That's pretty easy, public service announcement. Remember this for next Christmas? Went by a sign yesterday. And it said, order your Christmas wreaths now. <laughs> These people are working 11 months early. Or they're just lazy with their sign. I'm thinking it's probably the latter. But mercy from God is a gift. He is very much into the value of that gift. We need to be into the value of that gift. He's the giver of that gift. We are the receivers of that gift. Today we're talking about the outward flow of mercy. Last week we talked about where it comes to us and how God is the source of mercy. But this week we, we look at that again as we move into understanding how do we show mercy? How do we be mercy on His behalf? Walked in this morning, met Harry upstairs, and the first thing he said was, you know, I sometimes listen to the preachers on TV or whatever, and he said, yeah, you know, I said, yeah, and I watched a Western this morning, so I wasn't <laughs> quite as religious. But he said, both the preachers that he listened to, is it two or three? Three of them, all three of the preachers, we're preaching on the book of Revelation. And we discussed how that's a hard book to preach through. He said he was a part of a church one year that preached through Revelation for the whole year. And then right after that, the pastor left. <laughs> Mary Kay has always said, you know, if the preacher goes to preaching on Revelation, good chance he's going to be out of there before or after that sermon series is done. Guess what I've got in here? Revelation. It's an eschatological connection that I want us to get this morning. Eschatology usually means the study of the end times, which is the Revelation story. It's not all that complicated. It's just a little scary when you read it. 
But there's seven churches, seven seals, seven trumpets, two witnesses, seven bowls of wrath. There's the coming of Jesus in victory. There's the doom of the beast and the false prophets and Satan. There's judgment on all of mankind. And then there's the new heaven and the new earth. The rest of the story is that. This is the eschatology. But really, I'll give you the inside look real quick here. Eschatology starts and ends with what God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ. Eschatology is the story of God's mercy and how He enabled that mercy through the life, death, and resurrection of the Son. And so God's mercy is the story of our salvation. God's mercy is not just something, but most definitely it is His gift to us that we need to receive. And so I want us to see mercy this morning in its bigger package that the value comes from God's mercy because God Himself is mercy. And that is such a value to Him to offer that to us. And so when we receive this gift, we have to have in mind and in heart the value of what we are receiving, and we have to receive it as we value it also. Last Sunday, we looked at mercy from the inward perspective, how any mercy we might have that we might need comes from God. We even mentioned that we can't adequately know or show mercy apart from God. Yes, human beings are capable of showing mercy but the depth of that mercy is only as deep as that human being can be. To really show mercy in a godlike sense, we have to first draw from the mercy that we've been given. It must reflect the mercy. It flows inward to us. It's our giving and receiving, and it flows outward from us. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Let's pray. Father God. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, today, the bread doesn't need to taste like all the stuff that we've worried about through the week. Today, the bread doesn't need to taste like the stuff that we're worried about for the coming week. We need to lay those aside for a little bit and simply let your word wash over us. Simply understand more deeply how your mercy flows in, but how it flows through us into the rest of your creation. That's our daily bread for today. That's what we need from you today. More than our lists, more than our wants, more than our, our own thoughts. Father, we need from you what you have for us. So give us this day our daily bread. What we need right now, what we need right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got several verses of Scripture, so most of them are going to be up on the board, but we're just going to put a bunch in today. We defined mercy last week as a noun in action. This is a noun that has movement to it. 
Often we recognize like an affliction, a brokenness, or something that happens in someone's life that maybe they didn't cause, maybe it came on them unfairly, and it draws us to want to offer mercy to them. Oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry, I've, I've talked with folks this week that are hurting because of things that have happened in their life, and it's like, I'm, I'm just naturally, I'm, I wanna show mercy. Sometimes people tell us about things going on in their lives that they didn't necessarily, you know, they weren't innocent of the reason it happened to them. Maybe some bad decisions they made, maybe some bad choices, some bad attitudes or words, whatever, and now they're in trouble. And yet, even though it is their fault, you know, it's nice to show mercy when it's not their fault, but even when it is their fault, we are still sometimes drawn to show mercy even in that. The first verse is James 3, 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. God's mercy precedes man's mercy. God was mercy first. You didn't have that original idea. That didn't start in you. It did with God. Mercy that God promised, so we must remember that we cannot claim it, but we can certainly expect it. Does that make sense? We can't just claim mercy from God. God, you have to give me mercy. But it was His initiation, and it's His desire to show mercy, so we can expect mercy. Some of you, even today, have said, Pastor, would you pray with me about this? And what you're seeking, actually, is God's mercy in your life. You can't just say, God, you got to give me mercy. You don't have that position. But because of God's mercy, you can expect mercy from God. may not be in the way that you would define it, but His way is always going to be better. So we just have to receive it because of the value of the gift. Matthew 18, verse 33. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? This is a verse that Brandon recently used a couple of weeks ago, talking about the slave who was forgiven by his master of a great debt, but then refused to forgive another, a small debt. And when the master heard about it, he took his mercy back, saying, should you not have also shown mercy because it had been shown to you? Two Sundays ago, he used this, and he used a quote from John Piper that I will just bring back to your thinking. Mercy comes from mercy. Our mercy to each other comes from God's mercy to us. And that makes a lot of sense when we think about where does my mercy come from? It comes from God. Mercy comes from mercy. Real mercy, deep mercy, complete mercy, actual mercy comes from God. And it's, yeah, it's just His. So the outward flow is the source, 
the mercy is the source is God. The next thought is the outward flow of mercy is a decision that God has already made, but that we have to come to. So Psalms 40, 9 and 10, I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips, O Lord, you know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I've spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. What you have received from the Lord is not to be kept secret. Okay? Let me just say that is true in any area of your life as you're pursuing your walk with the Lord, trying to grow in your faith. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, six weeks, six months, six decades. It's not to be a secret in your life. We should be sharing with people what God has given to us. It's not like you're going to hoard it all up and have it all to yourself. I have... I think I've shared this one before. This is kind of a Ken-style illustration, but it's the great French fry philosophy. When you go to the fast food place and you get fries with that burger, and they bring you out this hot little thing of fries right here, and they set it in front of you, and the person you're at the table with is going like, oh, fries. Can I, like, you're like, well... Okay, a few. But you're kind of worried about them eating. What if you're at a table with multiple people? You're the only one with fries. This is dangerous. You just feel like these are mine and you would like them, but you can't have them. They're mine. It's on my ticket. And even if you chip in, I don't want you to have them because I want all the fries. What if your order of fries one of the reasons I like to go to Five Guys so much is their orders are bigger than normal. What if when they brought your order of fries out, it was on a platter this big and it was stacked about this high? You know, we're ready. Hot, salty, little pepper, some hot sauce on the side. Here comes the fries. Boom, in the middle of the table. Everybody at the table is like, whoa. And you know what? Nowhere in your heart does that even come up. Wait a minute, these are my fries. Because you know there's no way you can eat all these fries. You've got plenty to share. So all of a sudden, you're so magnanimous about your fries. Because there's more there than you will ever be able to deal with. The mercy that God gives us is bigger than we would ever be able to deal with if we kept it all to ourselves. So it's not to be kept. The great congregation is all around you every day. And the writer here in the Psalms says, I will not restrain. I have not hidden. I have spoken. I have not concealed. All of your goodness, all of your kindness, all of your mercy that you have shown to me, I'm talking about it with my people. I'm talking about it with not my people. I'm talking about it all the time because it's your mercy and the abundance and the depth and the quality 
is more than I can ever hope or imagine to understand. We're not to keep it a secret. It's a decision that you have to make, church, that we make together. We've got a business meeting coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to make some decisions as a church to share the mercy of God. And it's not just going to be for our benefit, okay? It's going to be for the benefit of the community around us that the Lord has placed us in. Because we're going to share this abundance that we could never use up on our own. The outward flow of mercy, the direction. We've talked about the source, we've talked about the decision, now we've got the direction. When the Old Testament talks about mercy, it carries with it an attitude of man or God that seems to arise out of a mutual relationship. And so the relationship of mutual mercy arises between, and it's easy for us to think about this, like relatives and friends, hosts and guests, masters and subjects, or even in covenant relationships. It's all, mercy really shows up best, easiest, through relationships. And so I want us to look at a passage from Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me. So Matthew got up and followed him. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at table at the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus heard this and he said, is it not those who are healthy? It is not for those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. And he quotes a verse from the Old Testament. I desire compassion. Mercy is that same word in the original languages, not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. All right, let's expand the family a little bit. The sense of kindness that we owe to one another to sinners even more than believers, is where I want us to see this direction to others. If mercy is based in relationship, sometimes our obligation of mercy, here's, here's a little bit of a hard thought, yields to the influence of our favor towards the person, that particular person. In other words, I might have a lot of mercy because I like somebody, I know them, but somebody I don't know, even within our family here. If I don't know you as well as I know others, my human flaw is that if I know you good, I'm going to show you more mercy. If I don't know you as well, I'm not going to show you as much mercy. That's not right. Let me just clarify. That's not right, but it's real. That's what we do. So I'm trying to figure out how do we always keep these things in balance? We often speak of the church as family. I love to speak of the church as family. It takes some of you a little bit 
of time to really buy into the pastor's heart for you is family. But you are. You are beloved to me by the fact that you're here with us in the house, online. You are beloved to me because you are family. But a better understanding of this word that happens between us in relationship ought to be the word love. The mercy we show is not the emotion of love. It's really an expression of that emotion of love. If I don't love you, if I don't care for you, I'm really not going to show you love. I'm not going to show you mercy. So it's a gracious action that comes out of that emotion that ties us together in relationship that we love one another because God is love. And so when we love each other, our emotions are going to be tied even more tightly and we're going to care more and we're going to love more. Mercy is a noun in action. There's a revealing passage in the book of Acts and I didn't put this one up on the screen, but in Acts 11, 17 through, or 27 through 30, there's been a famine that's been prophesied by a prophet in the New Testament called Agabus. And there's a couple of locations in the New Testament where we get a prophecy from Agabus. But he prophesies a great famine that's going to hit in the area around Judea, Rome, and Egypt. It's not going to be good. The church at Antioch, when we preached through this passage months ago, the part that cries out the mercy of the church was because the church decided that each member of the church would begin to set aside all that they could, what, whatever works for them, and they would create a collection because the famine was not going to be in their part of the world, but they would create a collection and send it to their Christian brothers and sisters in Judea. Later on, we read where Paul and Barnabas actually take this collection to the church in Jerusalem and give it to the elders there, give it to the deacon body and say, here's a gift. Here's some mercy from one sister church to another, from one group of believers to another. Why? They don't even know who we are. Well, we love God and you love God, so we must meet right here at our love for God. So yes, we are in relationship with you. There are other churches. I was disappointed yesterday because somebody beat me to it. There's a little church over here on Pippin Road that took over a rec center. And during one of the windstorms a couple of weeks ago, they had a big old tree fall right alongside their parking lot. And I just drove back and forth by it every day. And I, it kept sticking out in my notice. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to get some guys. I'm going to call the pastor because his name and his phone number are right there on their van. I'm going to call him. I'm going to say, brother, I've seen this tree laying here for a week or so. And I think I can get some guys out of my church and we can come over. And if you've got some guys in your church, I like to play with chainsaws. You all know this. 
and I'll go to cutting up the tree and we'll stack it up and your people can haul it home for firewood, barbecue with it, whatever. But we'll come over and do that for you. I had this plan. But I didn't act on it real quick. And yesterday as we drove by, the tree's gone. I don't mean it was cut up and stacked up. The whole thing is just gone. Harry, you couldn't even tell on the ground where the hole was when it fell over and the root ball popped up. I was going to show some church to church mercy and take some of you folks with me. And we were going to extend the love of Christ to a sister church. I'll find another way. You're not off the hook yet. When I asked some of our chosen generation, I was asked this morning, when's the next time you're going to meet with the chosen generation? My senior adults, 60 and up. I asked them once, we had a little lunch over here, it was nice, we had sandwiches, we had soup, we had, you know, it was good. And I began to quiz them, thinking about this year's topics of conversation, and I asked them to give me little sticky notes about each of the topics that we're talking about in this five-topic study, 10 weeks that we're doing this. And under the mercy heading, these are some of the responses I got from our chosen generation. If you recognize something you wrote, I'm not giving names, I'm just reading them off. But when a church member goes into the hospital, how about an extended visit? Don't just drop by, say hi, how are you, not even listen to how they reply, but stick around for a little while and visit with them. How about when I'm crying in the middle of the night and need someone to talk to, who can I call? I just need to know that I've not been forgotten. Okay, church, there's the call. You got visitation, you've got personal contact and connection, you got to just love people and let them know they're just not forgotten. This is the cry for mercy that we as a church can step up to meet, even within the body of Jesus right here. These are some of the things they said. What, what do you think? But here's the, here's the thing. We're believers, we're we're truly pursuing God as Lord of our life, meaning he's in charge, he's the ruler, and he tells us this mercy that I give you is great to apply within the family, but it's not going to stop here. It's going to go on beyond this. What about to other churches? Yeah, but that's still kind of in the family. What about to the folks who just don't believe like you believe? who've not given their heart to Jesus, who've not pursued their faith in God. What about them? Remember, we have a human tendency to show mercy better to people that we favor than people that we don't favor, don't know as well. Luke chapter 10, verses 36 and 37. And this is after Jesus has told this whole story about the Good Samaritan. You know, it's a very familiar story to most of us. The priest went by, the Levite went by, didn't help the guy who was beat up on the side of the road, needed help. The Samaritan saw, went over, helped, took, care, took him to a place, 
got him patched up, promised to pay his bills, all this stuff. Good guy, the Samaritan. He asked the lawyer who originally broached the subject that caused Jesus to tell this story, which of these three, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? That's easy. The one who showed mercy towards him, replied the lawyer. Then Jesus said, go and do the same. Oh, you, me? I, I, I've got to go take care of people I don't even know, people I really don't even like, and that probably don't like me. I've got to go and show mercy? Yes. The description of the act of the Samaritan is a concrete showing of the emotion of love and the action of mercy. For whatever reason, that Samaritan loved that man who was Jewish, beat up on the side of the road, enough to show mercy to him. And it cost him to do that. What does it look like to be someone's neighbor? What does it look like for you not just to live next door to, because I don't think that Samaritan and that beat up guy were neighbors that way. What does it look like to be somebody's neighbor in the larger sense? We've already established that you don't have to know people to love them. They don't have to be just like you for you to love them. They don't have to be just your same age or just your same vocation to love them. People are going to be different. We've already established this in you know, this conversation, earlier conversations. You have to recognize the need and apply what you have and can do to that situation. That's what it takes. Amen. Who's going to be my neighbor? Well, let me see if I recognize their need. Nope, that's just the surface need. There's a bigger need there than that. Let me dig in. How do you do that? Create a little relationship, get to know them, whatever. But you take what you can do. I'm not asking you to show mercy beyond yourself. That's God's gig. You do what you can do with what he's given you to do with. Don't hold back your hold on the French fries. There's really more there than you could ever eat. There's more mercy there, but he gives you what you need to at least begin to show mercy to someone outside the family. We have outward, we have some outward mercy ministries within our church. Lisa and I just walked back there earlier and we looked at all this food that got dropped off for us the other day. And in two weeks on a Saturday, by the way, you can come and help with this. We will give out food to folks who need food. It's just that easy. We don't ask them why. We don't even ask them for their name and their address. We don't ask them if they're going to like pay it back someday. And I could do the, the cool thing and say, well, make sure you pay this forward. We don't even do that. We want to give them what they need, when they need it, and whatever we can supply. I'm serious. Sometimes we've just got like canned goods and crackers. But it's canned goods and crackers that they don't have. 
and we provide. This time the Lord has blessed us. We got chicken, we got hot dogs, we got frozen strawberries. I want to shop at this store. In fact, I got 25 chickens in my freezer at home, taking up all the space. Mary Kay's like, wait, I just went to the store. What am I supposed to do with my stuff? Find a way. We've got some good things that we can share with the families in a couple of weeks. Things that will bless them even more so. But you know, the blessing is the same, whether it's cans and crackers or if there's meat on the bone, it's all the same blessing. We have a mercy ministry that we do every month through this church and even sometimes during the month. Yes, I do go sneak food out of there every now and then. Somebody call, I'm here. And they say, and I had a lady call this past week and she said, I, I need food. My brother and I live together over here in Feeney Town and, and we just don't, I work seasonally and it, not during the winter. And I'm just trying to get by for another couple of months until my work starts up again. Come on by. Here's some sacks of stuff. And if you come by later, there might be a, I'm not, I wasn't even sure then what we were going to get, but some kind of meat. She's like, oh, that would be good. She didn't make it by. I'm hoping that she'll come back. So we have a food pantry that we do a mercy ministry from. We have prayer and financial support. We give to the African mission plants, church plants both in Ghana and in Uganda. We support a missionary in Uganda who trains pastors, travels all over the place and trains people in rightly dividing the word of truth. And he can't do that on his own. We, in mercy, send support to help him do that. We send, oh, we don't just send stuff, we send justice to Ghana. We. We like it that justice came from Ghana, knows Ghana, loves Ghana. It's kind of like Paul says, you know, man, I'll do anything that my brethren would receive the mercy of Christ. Well, that's what justice does. And he's headed out a week from now, back to Ghana with, I think there's two or three members from the Nepali church that are going with them. And we've sent stuff that justice is collected, we've collected, the New Hope Church has collected. This is part of our mercy ministry. The freedom you allow me as pastor to sometimes get out my chainsaw and go on these disaster relief projects, to go, I had a guy, I had my jacket on the other day, and I had a guy say, what kind of disaster are you talking about? And I said, well, I'll be the guy, hopefully, that'll come cut the tree off your house or off your car next time the storm blows through. Oh, because he's a ham operator, uh, radio stuff, not Delhi. He's a ham operator that coordinates a lot of communication and stuff during disaster response times. And you allow your mercy through I and the other members of the disaster relief teams to go out and to love on people. The visits that some of you make that I don't even know when you're going out visiting sometimes. But you just do. You go out and visit the sick. You go visit the elderly in their homes. Some of our shut-ins that don't have anybody. You go visit because of mercy. This is the show. This is the outward go. 
of God's mercy through you. Some of you provide the brownies or the cookies that some others take with them when they go visiting. Doug always tells me about the smile on the faces of the people when you not only give them Jesus, but you give them a brownie. I don't know. Just sweetens the deal. Your mercy. Even, even the cards and the notes that you write. I know some of you like to do that. You like to just send people a birthday card on their birthday. When, when you see the holy half sheet that's got the birthdays for the month, and you make it your business to send a birthday card. Good for you. Thank you for that. Do you know that you can also send them a card like on a Thursday? And just say, hey, you're a member of my church family. I'm a member of your church family. And I just want you to know that I prayed for you this morning. And so here's a little card just saying. Some of you already do that. Some of you can do that. I had a church member just recently say, I can do that. And so I supplied him with cards and a list of names and addresses. I said, here you go. Be merciful. You know, the cards I gave him, one of you made for me. Wait, you gave away all those cards I made? Yes. Because your mercy knows that I'm not going to go to the Hallmark store. Your mercy enabled me to give cards to someone who will send cards and express the love of God with those. It's all about the, the decision and the direction of this mercy, but it's also knowing that it, what about those outside of our church? What do we do with them? Luke 10, 36 and 37 was the one that said, shouldn't you be showing mercy to that guy? You know, that's what makes you the neighbor. Here's the key thing that we need to understand why it's so important that we show mercy. God, in his mercy, has withheld his wrath so that others, through his mercy, might find him. Do you understand this? You have been saved. If you're sitting here and you've given your heart and your life to Christ, you have been saved from the wrath of God. That whole revelation thing, you're okay, you're covered. God has withheld mercy in order that he could show mercy to more. Romans 9, 23 and 24 talks about the results of the outward flow of mercy, salvation. He did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called, not from among the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. God's mercy is not something that is easy to understand, but the, often in the Old Testament, it was associated with God's faithfulness, his gracious faithfulness to his people and to the people around his people. We're reading of the mercy of God, which is concerned with the eternal welfare of others. Romans 11, 30 through 32, for just as you were once disobedient to God, but now have been shown a mercy because of their disobedience. So these who also now have been disobedient, 
that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now have be shown mercy. Oh, man. I love it. But I got to admit, sometimes when preachers just like throw a verse in there, say, this goes with my sermon, and you can kind of get it, but you haven't had the chance that I got during the past week to really study into the verse, to really see into the verse and understand not only its context, not only its connection, but even just the deeper connection. So I decided to write for you this verse and spread it out. This is the Amplified Ken version of this verse. For just as you Gentiles who once were disobedient to God because you did not know who God was, but now you Gentiles have been shown mercy and received the gospel because the Jews rejected Jesus and the good news. And we, the followers, have brought this mercy of God's salvation to you. And because of your present obedience to the gospel, those Jews who rejected Jesus will see God's mercy on you and they may turn back to God in Christ and also receive his mercy. Because of the mercy shown to you, they also might be shown mercy. This is the whole plan of God. He's going to save some so that others will also see the salvation that they've experienced, that they enjoy, and go like, ooh, I want some of that. That's what we're supposed to do. Go ahead. Somebody ought to say amen. Somebody ought to clap, you know, because the whole picture of God is that he is saving some so that others who aren't paying attention will see it, hear it, and seek it. Now this, you who have received mercy from God are going to show that mercy of God to others who are in need of it. When they see God's mercy being worked through you, a reflection of God's mercy, it's the God who loves them as well. And they will become aware of their need for God, all that mercy and even a greater capacity, his salvation, which is the plan of all things. We get mercy folks, so that we can show mercy. We inflow the mercy of God so that we can outflow the mercy of God. This is kind of applicable to any of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these things we receive from God as believers for the very purpose of evangelism the very purpose of salvation. You get love, joy, peace, patience, these things in your life, good for you. And you get to enjoy the blessing of having that in your life. But the real reason that you're given these things is so other people will see them and desire the God who gave them to you. Why are you so happy? Why are you at peace? when all the world around you is falling apart? Why are you strong when everybody else is weak? Why are you because of God? Can I tell you? Can I share with you? Can I give you what I've gotten from God? Yes, that's why the purpose of fruit is not to look pretty on the tree. The purpose of fruit is not to taste good when you go by and pick it and eat it or buy it at the grocery store, the purpose of fruit is the seed inside the fruit that reproduces the tree. The purpose God gives you for his fruit in your life is so that he can be produced in the lives of others. 
And that is what we're talking about with mercy. We get mercy so that we can show mercy, so that God can be mercy in them. Last verse, Hebrews 4.16. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Therefore, all that we've talked about before comes to this point, that we might draw near with confidence to draw near, to move, to respond, to not stay where you are right now, but to draw near with confidence because of who it is that's offering, not you, but the God who loves you. His offering, His mercy, His presence. You have His word on it. So you can offer with confidence what you've already been given and received yourself. And you can offer that we might receive mercy. Receiving the gift, it's not a gift unless it's offered and taken. Otherwise, it's just a box with stuff in it. We received it, we're taking it. We want to make it available to others to receive it. Don't just leave it. To find grace in time of need. What do you need from God this morning? What do you need from God in your life this morning? What do you need from God so that you will know His mercy in your life? What do you need from Him? I know you got needs. You talk to me. I don't tell anybody. But you share those needs with me. What do you need from God that He can give you this morning? So that you'll be faithful with that gift to give it, not just receive it, but to give it. It's okay to re-gift the mercy of God. That's what it was designed for. Kind of like fruitcake. It's okay to give it away. It'll stop at my house. It's okay for you to admit that you need God's mercy. It's okay for you to move on that mercy and give it away. So how do you respond today? I don't know, that's between you and God. Last week we had several folks come down and pray. That's good. I'm still waiting for the day when I see someone get up and go over to someone else and say, would you pray with me? Or maybe I've been thinking about this between you and I and I need to strengthen our relationship or I don't even know who you are. <laughs> I need to establish a relationship. I mean, I'm still waiting for us to feel not chained to the pews. But during this time of response, to be able to let God say something in your heart and you just move with it. So I'm not asking you to walk an aisle. I'm asking you to respond to God however he's talking to you. You can do it right there where you sit. If you want someone to pray with you, well, I'll be your first choice if you like. But there's other people all around this building that'll pray with you. Respond to God. That's where it begins. Not sit still, not stand still. Respond to God. Dear Father, please let us hear your voice. That's why we came today. We didn't come just to hang out with each other. We could have done that at Walmart. 
We didn't come just to hear a good talk. There's like way better talks on the, on the web. Father, we came to your house with your family so that we could have you. Let us know you this morning. Let us respond to you this morning. Let us not ignore you this morning as you draw our hearts to you. Let us, let us hear your words and say, let it be so in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.